Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast. This podcast was developed by and for Amazon sellers to give you the latest strategies that are working right now to grow your Amazon business profitably, as well as how to plan for future growth and lifestyle. So if you're currently selling on Amazon or looking to get started in selling private label products on Amazon, then this is the right place to be to learn more about the ins and outs of the processes and strategies it takes to get ahead and make a long-term sustainable business. And today we have a very special guest with us. That's right. So in this episode, we're going to be talking with Corin Woodmass, the founder of the FBA Broker, which is a leading broker company that works with entrepreneurs to sell their business for their best exit, and also works with entrepreneurs to acquire businesses to grow their portfolio or get in the game, right? So Corin is also a little bit of a nomad. He's a world traveler, and I actually bumped into him in a coffee shop in Playa del Carmen recently, just before the world was shut down, right? Which was quite funny. So welcome, Corin, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. So before we're going to dive into, you know, how Amazon entrepreneurs can think about selling their businesses, you know, for their biggest payday or potentially how they can grow their business through acquisition, I'd love to first start on to by understanding a little bit more about you, your personal journey and how you ended up actually uh, founding the FBA Broker. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll give you the, the short version. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. <laughs> um, my wife and I left Australia uh, seven years ago. We just had our seven-year travel bursary. So, like you mentioned, yes, been nomadic for, for seven years. Currently in Austin, Texas um, is, our, is our main base. Um, we find we like being in the States, but also it's, it's great for business. Um, when I left, or when we left Australia, our actual game plan was to do a gap year. So take a year, travel the world a little bit, see if we liked it. Um, we quit our corporate jobs, all that sort of good stuff. And two weeks into a supposed four-week holiday, I was looking at how to, how to keep this thing going, like how to make money without um, having to go into the office every day. And I'd, I'd had a background in digital marketing and also finance. So that was my um, background. And I started actually building an e-commerce business. Um, and at the same time, I was looking at ways to ironically get a, a UK visa. I say ironically because it's <laughs> the last place we actually ended up wanting to be. <laughs> um, but I was looking at how to get a visa. Um, my wife had a work visa and I didn't realize that that wouldn't be um, transferable to the spouse. So I had to figure out how I could stay. And um, I started looking at buying businesses and I was looking at brick and mortar businesses. I was looking at all, all types of different business um, businesses that I could go acquire. And it was about this time that I saw an article from Centurica um, that put out uh, a lot of market data at the time and they still do. And um, they mentioned that as as an average across the board, the online multiples were actually higher than offline business multiples. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. People must be, um, there, there must be some demand here. So I started buying, building and selling online businesses as well. I had my biggest wins in e-commerce. We also launched a supplement brand with a, a partner. We actually ended up launching that on Amazon. And through all of this, I, I built the four-hour workweek lifestyle that I was, I was dreaming about back when I had a corporate job. I got there and I kind of thought it sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I realized for myself, um, I need to be talking to people. It's a personality thing, right? I'm, I'm not a, a grind kind of coding backend marketing type person. I need to be talking to people. I need to be doing deals. I love chasing down deals, negotiating, talking about buying and selling. Um, my first unofficial client bought me lunch to review a deal they were looking at, you know, and I thought <laughs> it was the greatest day ever. Um, so <laughs> I then uh, moved into the brokerage world first for another brokerage. And I saw a, a difference in e-commerce, specifically Amazon inventory-based businesses. And what I noticed was the buyer demand was there. And the reason the buyer demand was there is because it's a real product. You can hold it, you can touch it. It's, it's, it's a real thing. So it, Traditional investors, business investors 
were interested in this type of business model. So there was more demand than supply in the beginning. And the first FBA deal I actually worked on, the um, seller I'd been talking to, I'd, I'd known him through uh, friend circles um, out in Thailand, actually. Uh, when we listed that business, it sold in two days. And about a week before we listed that one, I was talking to these buyers. Um, they had a million dollars in capital to, to deploy just in cash. And they said, we will buy anything that sells on Amazon. Now, if that was today, that would be insane. But at the time, they just wanted to get a foothold in something that was working on Amazon and then build it. And uh, that, that's how I kind of got started. I saw the demand first from the buyers. Um, I then said, well, no one's really looking at this space specifically. And I knew I wanted to start my own brokerage. So I decided to go on the, on the focused angle first. And I said, oh, we'll, we'll go into other business models later. And uh, four years, almost four and a half years in now, uh, we haven't gone into anything else. We, we actually expand a little bit outside of FBA, but that's our still, still our core focus. But yeah, so it's kind of funny how that, that happened. And then the Amazon wave happened at the same time. So it was really good timing. But we saw that buyer demand first. And now the market is, is just massive. So, yeah. Mm, that, yeah, that's that's interesting. Actually, I wish I'd have met you a few years ago, and then I would have taken up you on the million dollars. Uh, I'd be like, "There you go, Bosch, have it." Yeah, I'll take the right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think everyone would have. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one of those. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's pretty awesome story that you have because, you know, first of all, I, I would never probably leave Australia if I moved there. I've, I've, I was there for a couple of months about in 2015 and loved it. Um, they unfortunately just don't want me to stay there for some reason. Um, but yeah, so as far as the, the FBA business buying and selling, you know, the, the mergers and acquisitions and all this kind of stuff go, I kind of have a two-part question here. So a lot of people are going to ask these kind of similar questions. So uh, the first part is, are Amazon FBA businesses actually selling and how do buyers value the business? And then part two of that is, what are the most important things that increase the value of an Amazon business for a buyer? Mm. So yeah, spoiler alert, they aren't actually selling and it's all a lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, absolutely businesses are selling. We've been reporting and tracking this entire market for over four years now almost four and a half. So almost the same amount of time we've been in business. And initially I started with a monthly report. What I wanted to do was, because there was a lot of different places you could buy businesses, I wanted to track the pricing and see are businesses selling? What are they being listed for? Um, I, I noticed a lot of brokerages and marketplaces use their internal data. They don't look at the, the market like say a real estate industry that has a central repository. So we built it. You can get that fbabusinesspriceguide.com. You can go check that out. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of transactions. We started monthly, but had to move to weekly because there was so much, there was so much activity. And yeah, so there's definitely businesses selling. A type of buyers dictate value. So they see value very differently. Um, I just wrote an email today about a transaction that isn't FBA related, but this might help on the value side of things. So uh, everyone who starts talking about or researching mergers and acquisitions thinks um, a strategic buyer is the perfect buyer for me. Um, and sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Uh, we've seen wildly different offers from strategic buyers as opposed to financial buyers. I'll get into the difference of that in a sec. Uh, but there was a, a company that was acquired just this week for half a billion dollars. The company's called Mirror. It's a, um, a fitness um, products. So it's a, literally a mirror. If you haven't seen this, it's a mirror and they do classes kind of like, um, what's the bike one? Peloton, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. With a mirror. So it's kind of interesting. So for half a billion dollars, they're projecting to make a hundred million dollars this year in 2020, as we speak. So they're getting a five X projected revenue multiple and they're projecting to be either break-even or slightly profitable next year. Now, the reason that deal happened, part of the reason, um, they were acquired by Lululemon. And if you think about the customer, the target customer for Mirror, uh, what are they looking at in the mirror unless they're like um, being 
naked or maybe just working out in their clothes, their, uh, their sleeping clothes. Why can't I think of the word? Pajamas. Pajamas. <laughs> um, you're probably wearing workout clothes, right? Just like you're at the gym. And Lululemon wants that customer. And this type of customer is awesome for them because they are, Mirror has their customer before, during, and after they buy a Lululemon product. So before that, hey, I want to work out. I want nice clothes to work out in. Uh, if you live in Austin, you live in athleisure wear all the time because it's so damn hot. And then after as well, after they're done, they're still wanting Lululemon products, right? So it's very aligned to their customer. They also had 800 million in the bank. So that was a good deal for them. It's also a subscription business. But to, to loop it back, that's a, a super example of a strategic buyer. Now, most FBA businesses won't be in this category, but I just wanted to highlight what a strategic buyer actually looks like. Now, last year, we were marketing a deal that was in the appealed to toy companies. And we actually managed to sit down with the top toy, 10 toy companies in the world, a couple of them in person, right? Multi-billion dollar companies that were looking at this brand. And it was mostly Amazon, but they were interested in the brand because it, it appealed to the target market they were interested in. And it was a focused brand, right? So if you have a focused brand and you know who your target customer is, there's a good chance that a bigger company wants that target market. And I wanted to start with that side of valuation because that's what most of us think is the reason someone buys a business, but that's the reality. You need to have a target market. Now, a lot of FBA sellers have multiple brands. I don't know who started this concept of build more brands and have a million different products. It's, it's not focusing on building that one brand to serve that target market. Right? So if you are in that category where you have multiple brands and you're just wanting to sell off one or you, you have a, a smaller business that you're looking, it's making cash flow, but I'd like to sell it, go do something else. Um, the type of buyer for that type of business will see value very differently than a Lululemon, right? So how, how the rest of the, the buyers look at value is a multiple of cash flow. And that's typically your trailing 12 months net profit. And they'll apply a multiple to that. And that's what um, the offer will be based on is how the business has done and how you think the business is going to do in the future. The buyers always want to buy a growing business because they want to get paid back quicker. They want a faster ROI on their capital. So does that help answer that question? I'm sure you have more more questions on that. Yeah, I, I think I think the main deal there is that you know having a brand is better for a buyer to value that company because it's focused. They they know who that they can turn around and sell that product to, and if it's a strategic buyer like you said, then they might have the the customer list that they can turn around and immediately focus that, and and as well as you know obviously profitability growth, um, that's going to help obviously value your business even more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting you said there about people wanting to do lots of different brands. We, we have that all the time, don't we, Isaac? Yeah. People coming in. But basically in their brain and their minds, what they've got is one product equals a brand rather than thinking about, well, who's the ideal client that's going to actually buy that product plus this product that goes with it and this, this, and this, and this. So, yeah, sometimes we have to do a lot of unpicking of that because in the eye of the, the seller, one one product equals one brand and therefore they'll launch another product is another brand, another brand, another brand. And they end up with a diversified business, but completely kind of almost chaotic in a way as well, because you're not getting the true value out of that one thing. So it's interesting you say that as well. So when obviously you're thinking about selling, um, selling your business or, you know, I'm, I'm a new seller or, you know, seller for a couple of years or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. What Karen's saying, what are the kind of main two or three concepts that I would need to grasp to get it ready. So I'm thinking right now, I might, I might sell it in the future, but not right now. But what would I need to do now to be able to sell it in the future? Yeah, sure. Um, and I have a concept that I've worked on for this that hopefully is, is helpful in this situation. And obviously ask me as many questions as you want about it. Um, so most people, when they think about their business, Especially in the FBA world, I find the more FBA sellers have a shorter 
time frame or shorter attention span than other business models. And part of that might be a result of Amazon itself. You can get traction very quickly. We had one client go from a cold start, no revenue, to eight figures of revenue in two years, completely self-funded. They were just reinvesting back in the business. Bam, in two years, had an eight-figure revenue business. And that's not uncommon in this space. But it, it does something to your perception of time when you can spin up an eight-figure brand that quick or a seven-figure brand or a six-figure brand right, in just a couple of years. So it shortens people's horizon on time. And time is something that actually can play to your benefit when it comes to selling a business for more value. And there's really three stages to a business. Most people think they wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm done with this, just sell it. That's not the best way to, to squeeze the most value out of the asset that you've built. So if you understand these three stages of business, which I'll explain now, the first stage is startup, the startup phase. And the startup phase can actually take anywhere from one to three years. And the way we describe startup phase in an Amazon business is just like you said, Kirsty, you've got that first product that's working. Most people go start another brand. They're still looking at the research tools out there to find volume but if you, if you think about it from a value maximization perspective, once you find that first product that hits, focus on that customer, focus on that target market, build out a suite of products for that target market. That's, that's really the validation stage. So if you have a hero product selling to that target market, that's step one, that's startup. Then you move into growth, which is what other products do they have? And I use this framework a lot. I mentioned it before, before, during, and after. I use this in our business. It's very helpful for me as a framework. What are your custom, what's that customer buying before your product? What are they buying with that product? And what do they buy after your product? And that can give you a, a sense of what else to focus on, right? So that's, that's really the, the second step of the business is growth. And you're, during that growth period, when you're trying new products, they're not all going to work. But if you're focused on that target market, at least you're going to be um, building, a, building value. And it goes exponentially. You don't want ideally more than 30% of revenue coming from one product. So you want it diversified, right? And you also want to focus on really high margin products. Like a lot of the, the margins people talk about and are happy with only work in Amazon. We were talking to a, a large eight-figure company that's had started as an Amazon brand, had a lot of success. They're now 90% in retail all across the States. They're actually making more margin in Walmart stores than they are on Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people talk about this, but because we, so we see so many Amazon-based businesses, we see so many financials from all these companies, we've realized that on average, Amazon's taking about 30% of your margin, all, all told, with advertising, um, commissions, fulfillment fees. They do a lot of work, of course, and they have the customers. But they're taking the lion's share of the profit. They're making more profit than most of the average Amazon sellers out there. So you really want to focus on high-margin products. If you want some inspiration on how to find and sell high, super high-margin products, go to Tiffany & Co., they have a section on their website called Everyday Objects. No joke, they sell a paperclip for $1,200. <laughs> right? if, you want, if you want ideas on how to really um, sell high-margin products, it's because they know their customer, though. You can't just throw up a $1,200 paperclip. You, know, you need to understand your customer. And if you read that sales page, it's only a couple of um, paragraphs long. Uh, but you, you, you see that they really know their customer. That's why they can sell that product. So that's the growth phase. Most people sell in the growth phase. This is also not where to maximize value in your business, right? Once you've got that suite of products that you're, you're serving that target market, you have a, a fork in the road. You can optimize for profit because at the end of the day, like we mentioned, that trailing 12 months profit is really what the multiple is going to be based off in most cases, right? Unless you're mirror. <laughs> and if you are mirror, talk to me, we can make that happen too. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the fork in the road is do you optimize for profit or do you take your business off Amazon? 
And the, the biggest um, opportunity, I think, in Amazon FBA businesses is creating a brand. You have this, this really fast way of getting product market fit, making money quickly out of the brand. But Amazon and e-commerce as a whole is only about 20% of the retail sales worldwide. Right? It's growing faster and with COVID, it's growing even faster. But it's such a small percentage. Your customers are out there. They're wanting to buy your products. They're in the real world. If you can then shift some of your revenue to off Amazon, that's where the multiples get really interesting because it's hard to do. So that's the jump off point that we see most of our clients take is they say, I've built this business to a point. I've now either optimized it for profit and it's, it's looking really good, still growing. You could sell it there or you could go, let's build off Amazon and build the value even higher. And mm -hmm. to give you an example, a business could be worth double, if not more, if it's diversified. So if you've got more than 50% of your revenue coming through, say, your own website, something you control, you're shortening the distance between you and the customer because Amazon's in the middle, right? They don't like us having their customer data. They call them their customer, not ours. Uh, the shorter that distance between you and your customers, the more valuable that relationship is, which is another reason why Mirror sold for so much because they had people on a subscription service and they had a, a I don't know if it's two-way, that'd be kind of weird, but um, <laughs> they could literally see their customer, not just um, have direct access to them. I don't know. Do you guys know if Mirror is two-way? That would be really... I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like that'd some be, that'd kind of brother stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, does that help with um, the, the three stages there? Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, for me, awesome. I think it's great because it's, I don't think everyone has ever explained it that simply, right? Because again, we get a lot of people, they've just started, they've got one product. They're like, I need to get off Amazon. And we're like, oh, okay, calm down. Like, you know, get your revenue for, we've never say don't go off Amazon, but once you've got a solid base and a solid foundation for the business, then pick the next road. But you don't have to go, you know, sh you know, shotgun approach oops, to try and like get loads of different different avenues. And I think that's where people kind of go a bit scatty and then they, then they fail. Right. So I think it was a very good way of explaining it. And we always say about patience as well, like be patient, that window of like two years, why am I not doing $10 million when, you know, Joe on YouTube is, you know, why am I not doing that? And we, we see that a lot, don't we, Isaac? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously everybody, they think, you can take a thousand dollars and turn it into a million dollars on Amazon. And it's not that hard to do. It's like, well, that's not the reality of the business, but the possibilities are like quite endless depending on what your actual situation is. And yeah, you, you hear stories like that and you're like, fantastic. Like, where do I sign up? But at the same time, you have to realize that every person has a unique situation. And, you know, when, when, you know, one of my questions to you is going to be, you know, when is the best time for you to sell an Amazon business? And, for some people, it's going to be while they're in growth phase. And maybe they take that that peak thing and say, you know what, it's optimized as far as I can do. I don't really want to spend the time the next two, three years. I'll sell it for $500,000 and move on, do whatever I want else, like do real estate, something else like that. Because for a lot of people, Amazon is a, uh, a stepping stone to another opportunity. Whereas some people, you know, this is their business for life. And so they say, you know what, I'm going to go off Amazon as well and build that out. So I really like that approach. You know, you give the, the, the choice to the, to the seller and, and then say, you know, really what's your, what's your goal with this business first. And then let's talk about that. That's when you're, that's when you're going to think where, where's the best time for you to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I like the, the patient approach. I think we're all guilty of it. I've definitely been guilty of it. Me too. You know, when someone's, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When someone says to you, well, where's the business going to be in 25 years? You're like, what? I've got no idea. Like, you know, so I'm like, am I doing this into 25 years? And even when I was working in corporate, I had an attention span of about 18 months and then I wanted to do a different role. So yeah, it's, it, I think it's, sometimes it's also hard for an entrepreneur to be focused on that one thing. But I think the variety mm. comes when you start to build a team and then you can then, as an entrepreneur, focus on what you're good at, like the vision, the vision part of it, and and really sort of focusing on, okay, how's this going to add to the business? So maybe that's another question to you. Actually, it's like, what does that, in terms of helping the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, 
how do they start to manage this stuff out on that timeline that you kind of set out yeah, in terms absolutely. of building and, teams and stuff? Yeah, my, uh, my marketing mentor, Dean Jackson, has the best phrase I've ever heard. And this just, I have him like on one of my shoulders every day. And he says, most business owners forget that their business is meant to sustain them, them and their family, e.g. you can eat, versus entertain you. And we all have some form of ADD, I'm sure, at varying levels, at varying times of our life. But if you think about it, what you're building, the, the reason an Amazon, an inventory-based business is so appealing to buyers might help with what you're actually building, right? So most of us just think, oh, it's this thing on Amazon. I followed a course. I got some coaching. I did this. Now it's ready to sell. And that's great. What you're actually building is a cash machine. I'm not sure if I can swear on this. I, I'm an Aussie. I swear a lot. I can swear. It's all good. We swear all the time. <laughs> Normally I don't ask first and I just get weird looks. Anyway, so, um, sorry, that was a tangent. Um, so yeah, what, what you're actually building and why investors are interested in it. Okay. So um, you might look at, if, if you think, put an investor hat on and think, most people think I'm going to sell this business. And I think you said this, Isaac, um, I'm going to sell this business and go buy some real estate. Now, if, if you look anywhere at real estate, it depends where you are in the world, but say in, in the US, it's quite possible to get a 10% return on, in real estate. If you do the math backwards, uh, I say math now because I live in the States, they usually say maths, maths. that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you do the math on that and say, how much cash do I actually need in the bank to be able to invest to get the same return as my last 12 months net profit? I think you would be very surprised. Here's a hint. No one's going to pay you that for the cash flow that you have because it is volatile, right? It's not guaranteed. Real estate may or may not be more stable, but oftentimes people think, I'm just going to take this cash and put it over here. And that might be worth doing, but why not do it while you're building the business? Because once you start looking at return on investment and start trying to get return on investment, you'll see how much better inventory-based businesses are. When our supplement company, when I, I ran the numbers, we were getting 40% cash on cash return in our pocket for inventory. That is insane. Where can you get 40% return? Yeah. yeah. Nowhere, exactly. right? And you're, you're building it, you're controlling it if you build the sales channel as well. So you, you even have more confidence in that return. That's why people are jumping over themselves to buy these businesses. So if you think about it like an investor, you've built it from scratch, you've reinvested cash, maybe you took a little bit of cash at the beginning and didn't take any salary and it's generating cash flow. If you change your mind to think like an investor and especially in that optimization phase, that's really what you need to do. Go, go study investing and try investing outside of your business before selling your business and thinking you can get a 10% return. I uh, interviewed a friend of mine on Truth About Exits, our podcast, and he sold his business, took him a full year to figure out how to become an investor and generate just above a 10% return. And then he realized, actually, I didn't sell for enough. Yeah. And now he went and bought a business that's almost twice the size of the business he sold uh, through us, actually, last year, which is great. Um, but he realized that he didn't sell for enough. He doesn't regret selling. But that seems to be the, the pipe dream. Like, I don't want to work so hard at this. I don't want to do that. And to your point, Kirsty, if you're a solopreneur and you're doing everything yourself, well, take some of those profits. If you are profitable and you're paying yourself, if the business can support it, start hiring people. Um, we, we, some of our most successful clients have Amazon agencies manage their Amazon business which might blow your mind because you're like, wait, I learned this. But they do that so they can free up their time to go do something else. And the business has the cash flow to pay them. And they, they partner with people that are maybe better at Amazon than they are. And I'm not saying every agency is, but this is one option, right? And, yeah. and most people, when they go to diversify, this is another pet peeve of mine, they go, well, I'm selling on Amazon through ads. 
So let's just put an ad for my teaspoon up on Facebook. <laughs> That's going to be great. When's the last time you bought a fucking teaspoon off an Amazon <laughs> for a Facebook ad? You're scrolling through Facebook, seeing what your friends are up to. You're not buying products, not directly anyway. It's a different channel. You need to talk to that customer in a different way to get their attention, get them to put their hand up, etc. Here's a tip that I also got from Dean Jackson on sales cycles. So if someone puts their hand up for a product, even just clicking an ad is intent, right? If you're looking at a product, um, I've clicked through on Instagram ads for all sorts of products that I'm interested in, but I haven't bought yet. That intent, if someone puts their hand up for that, that interest, in the first 90 days, only about 15% of people will purchase in the first 90 days. But if you take that out over a two-year window, almost 50% of people that show intent within a two-year window will buy. So when you're looking, as you said, Kirsty, longer timeframes, we need to be looking at at least two years, mm. at least when we're looking at anything outside of Amazon, right? You need yeah. to, especially if you're going direct, you need to build these relationships. Mm. Even if it's for a, a low price product, you need to build the relationship, find a way to be in front of your customers, top of mind, and preferably not paying for it all the time, right? To stay there and be top of mind when they are ready to make that purchase. Yeah, I think sometimes because we, you know, a lot of FBA sellers, we started on Amazon, right? And so it's like crack to a, to a child. You're just kind of like, oh, I want, I want the instant gratification. As soon as I put my product up, why am I not on page one in two weeks? You know, and then you start getting the sweats. Yeah. But I mean, it's something that we even talk about on Amazon. It's like, if you plan out how long this thing's going to take you and you actually take the slow burn, you, you are profitable versus you know, if you've got the cash and you want to invest, happy days and you know what you're doing. But if you're kind of like, yeah, I've got this amount of money, how do you invest it wisely and get the return on investment on that? But it's going to take you longer, right? So understanding that it's going to take you to that point and then understanding from a business perspective off Amazon, it's going to take, you've learned, it took you this long to get on Amazon. So it's going to take you this and probably this much to learn how to do it properly off of Amazon as well and picking the right channels to, to go with. So I think that's a very important point because it's funny, actually, I was on a, I was on something today, a panel and someone's like, what's a tip for people to grow their business on 2020? And someone was like, get off Amazon. I'm like, well, that's like, <laughs> can you give any more like hint for people like how to do it? Because I think that's a problem. Again, that's, that's the new thing. Get off Amazon. It's like, well, have you even done Amazon right yet? And then work out, yes. you know, so, yeah, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, I was going to um, say. Would you like a shortcut? I yeah. have a shortcut. <laughs> but sorry, I think you go first. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so um, I, I have a bit of a unique background being that I started as an investor. So I, I see the world a little bit different because I've been on both sides of transactions. Um, you can, and there's a, a lot of ways to do this, but you can actually acquire your customers in bulk outside of Amazon. And there's a number of ways to do this. Most people switch instantly to let's run Facebook ads because there's another course teaching me how to build a sales funnel on Facebook, which is great. And that might be worth doing, but that could be a faster way. And the faster way is who already has your customer. Remember the before, during and after thing. It works off Amazon as well. There's a whole bunch of people, in some cases, some categories, they have paid millions of dollars over years to build a customer database that you could tap into. You could either partner with them to present your products as even just an affiliate or something like that. You could buy their list. You could buy their business. You could buy the eyeballs of where your customers are. You could look at acquiring a Facebook group, an Instagram account, a Pinterest page. I didn't even know that was still a thing. We drove a ton of traffic from, from Pinterest back in the day. And I've just been hearing about this recently with a number of clients. But um, you can buy where those customers are. But also look in the real world. There's physical magazines that are still a thing. There's trade shows, trade associations. There's companies that pay $50,000, $100,000 to go to a trade show in your category potentially right? They're paying to be there. They're paying for leads. 
if, if you sell an aligned product or you want their customer database and you can say, hey, you know that 100,000, 200,000 customer list you have? What if we promoted this to them? What if we paired our product with what you're already offering as an upsell? There's a, uh, a retail store here in Austin and uh, Casper, the mattress company, partnered with them, Elm, uh, West Elm. It's like a high-end oh, yeah. uh, furniture store. They didn't sell mattresses, so they partnered with, with West Elm to have their mattresses in the store. So if you're buying a bed, chances are you're going to want a mattress, right? And they were selling it through there. So they put their product in and West Elm sold their product for them because they weren't actually offering that. Um, the airlines, most airlines, um, back when there was airlines and when people were traveling, um, in, the, in the books, the, the book that you have online on, on, in front of you, a lot of that's drop shipped, right? They're not holding that inventory. Someone's putting the inventory in and they're selling it for them. So there's, wherever your customer is, there's infrastructure already. Uh, we have clients that have massive success going to trade shows or events back when events were a thing. Yeah. as well. So maybe get out there and find where your customer is. And a lot of the people, especially right now with COVID going on, and I think this is just going to keep going the same way. If you, if you get outside of yourself and start talking to other business owners about their business, you'll find that they're more than happy for more revenue. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I can give you more revenue. Of course, let's do it. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's make it happen, right? It's not a hard sell. Um, you just need to figure out how to get closer to the customer and you can borrow credibility and things like this. Um, but I actually prefer acquiring, right? We're on an acquisition tail for a couple of different verticals right now ourselves um, to get closer to ideal customers. We're doing this. We're also helping clients do this with physical products and brands. There's a ton of ways to do this, but you don't need to start from zero just because you bootstrapped your business to now doesn't mean you need to keep bootstrapping along the way. Yeah, no, that's cool. Actually, I was going to ask you about your acquisition strategies because like you say, it's a way to, I mean, would you even recommend buying products, brands? Or are you thinking more about, actually, no, it's more like a, a customer engine that you're going to kind of pop in there so that they buy more of your stuff? I, I'd start with where the customer is because yeah. it, it's the shortest distance between your, your current products and your customer. Because that's actually what you want. You want your customer. You want more of direct access to your customer. Most people think, well, I'm selling on Amazon, I'll go buy another brand. And that could be a good strategy. But the problem with buying another Amazon brand is, especially if it's publicly available for sale, there is a lot of competition on the buy side for businesses for sale. If it's a good business, it's going to sell quickly. Most of our deals sell within two to three weeks and they're seven and eight figure deals. And we'll see multiple offers during that time, right? It's fast. Um, it's mm -hmm. not always the feedback you want, but you'll know what the market's going to pay for your business, right? In that short period of time. Um, so I, I like to go where there aren't a lot of buyers and maybe the, the seller, the business owner isn't thinking about selling. So a really good example right now would be a trade show. Um, I'm actually about to start reaching out to some trade shows because I'm thinking, hey, they're not making money right now. Maybe we could do a virtual event with them or help them set that up. Or maybe they want to sell. Maybe some of the sponsors that are there that have been paying don't know how to generate clients right now, but maybe have that database. Like I was saying, you know, this is literally something we're looking at right now. And the, the verticals, I was talking about the, not the pet product, the party game brand, the toy company last year, we actually went to a toy fair in Dallas. And that's where we met with some of these big firms. We also met them online and stuff, but we sat down with some of these guys because they were there, right? Go where they are. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the shortest way to get there. I like the, the more direct way. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think when people, I think one of the, maybe the key missing piece for people is once you've got the customer, you've got your, your product on Amazon, what's the meet in between? So you've got the customer, where do you send them, right? So maybe you can just give us a quick synopsis of, okay, well, I've got the customer, but what am I going to do with them when they're there? Should they be testing like an offer first for their product so that they know that when they plug the traffic in, it's going to work? So maybe you can kind of give us a quick rundown on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it would, 
It would depend. So ideally, you'd just want to straight up sell your products. <laughs> um, so making some sort of offer would probably be the first thing to start to test if that traffic is is worthwhile, especially if you're thinking about buying. Um, and there's some pretty advanced strategies behind having an option to buy and testing first. Um, it's like dating before getting married kind of thing. You could do the same thing with buying a database, right? You can check that they're buying. You definitely want to take that sale yourself, own the cash register. So ideally, put it through your e-commerce store, for example, or take those orders and process the payments yourself and pay the commission. Because that way, you know, with 100% certainty, these sales happened and these are real customers. You can call them. Um, if you get chargebacks or anything like that, you can track all of the effectiveness after the fact and make sure that the profit is actually there and that those are real customers. But yeah, you want to make some sort of offer. You might even want to start with an opt-in if you do have a longer sales cycle. You might find that outside of Amazon, because people aren't searching to buy products like we were talking about with Facebook before, they might be thinking about, maybe it's a hobby, and thinking about taking this up. Maybe you could put together a guide and get people to opt in, and then over time, they'll buy your products, your kits, or whatever you're selling. Right, so the, the earlier you can get, um, I had this question a couple of weeks ago. Someone was saying, well, what if you're selling organic products for kids? And I'm like, okay, great. Well, have a think about when someone would have decided that that was a thing they should do. When were they concerned about chemicals and things like that? Is it, it's not, an, everyone doesn't wake up thinking that. So there's probably a time, a moment in time or something that happens as a catalyst for that. Go there, retrace your steps and go forward. And there's going to be lots of opportunities and lots of businesses that are out there that maybe are less profitable that you could plug into. Um, a great example of this is, I'm, I'm not sure if you know about this, but the Amazon Associates program, their affiliate program, um, they recently halved their commissions so there's this whole other world of people that build review sites, probably down them I've been on tons. Um, they, they build this organic traffic around products, just saying what's the best product in X category and their income got halved. So you mm. could essentially go to someone like that and say, hey, I saw you reviewing these products. If you promote my product, I'll pay you more than what Amazon's paying you. And if it works out, I'll buy, buy your whole site. Right? It might be a side gig for them. It might not be their main business. And if you're reaching out to them, especially if it just halved, the saleability of that is zero. Right? Mm -hmm. You can't go on the public market and sell something that just halved. No one's going to buy it. Yeah. Um, if they do, they'll buy it for a dollar and share the revenue with you, which is what you could do <laughs> if you wanted to, right? if you're going to buy direct. So that's yeah. a couple of ways of how I would do it. Yeah, I really like that strategy. I think that's kind of a strategy that people can grasp straight away. It's like, oh yeah, I've definitely seen those sites. I've seen them with my products on. So you know that they're selling your product and the fact is that they've got a need and it's actually not that expensive because the Amazon commission wasn't that high in the first place. I think it was like 4% or 6% or something. Mm, so it's a good yeah, way absolutely. to you know, stick your toe in the water. I'll be trying that myself. Nice one. I'll report back. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Facebook groups are another one. There's a lot of um, Facebook groups that are uh, passionate about a topic that haven't actually monetized and maybe they've just let it go over time. So I have friends that have done this. They, they go in as a community member first. They kind of scope it out, make sure it's a, a community they want to be a part of. Then they start adding value. And some of them have even reached out to the admin and say, hey, there's a few people here thinking about leaving the group. Um, I, I like it. I want to keep it going. Could, would you mind if I moderated for you? If you promote me to a moderator, I'll help the conversations keep going, add more value, add more value. And if they're just done with it and they're not making any money from it, they might just give it to you. Or you could offer to pay them a bit for it or something like that. And you could maybe F as a moderator and get permission first, but maybe you could test if that group's going to buy your stuff before you buy it as well, that'd be a good idea. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of ways to do this. Cool. Yeah. And it's great. I think, you, you know, you're giving a lot of value and, and giving people insight from not just like how to sell the Amazon business, but even how to grow it and how to find customers for them themselves at current. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's invaluable because there's, 
so many real world applications that people just forget that this is a business like any other business. Like, yeah, you can get into SkyMall, you can get on billboards if you really want or whatever. And it's like people, no, 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 that's insane. Like, why would I want to be at a trade show or whatever? There are actual real world applications for that. Um, one thing I did want to ask you though, is obviously you've seen all this stuff and, and, you know, there are people that are out there that go out there and do some of the stuff and it costs them dearly and they don't do it right. Um, so, you know, like you said about the Facebook ads, people, you know, I've seen people, we've, we've spent thousands of ads on, on, on Facebook ads and it, it doesn't become very profitable very easily. So I was just wondering if there's any like common mistakes that Amazon sellers tend to make that you can kind of share with our audience so they don't do the same in terms of, you know, building this business for a profitable sale or how to go about it in the right way. Yeah, um, I think the first thing is the timeline. Most people say, well, well, I want to sell in six months. Should I start building off Amazon revenue? The answer is no. Um, it's too, too early because it's going to take time for you to make it profitable. It just, it is. No matter what you do, it's going to take time. And it'll extend the length of time before you could sell, but it'll also increase the value. There's a high chance that it'll increase value, right? So, but you want to re- monitor your ROI more we we had one client we talked to they spent just crazy amounts for a year they spent $60,000 in a year between setting up their website and um, running Facebook ads that at the end of the year they did their accounting they made $30,000 of revenue out of $60,000 spend that's not a good ROI (laughs) Um, and then wanted to sell and said can we just kind of write that off and the answer is no, you cannot write that off. So have a short feedback loop. Um, we, we actually use a, a CFO in our company and we recommend our clients use a fractional CFO or actual CFO, bring them in, get someone to help you understand your numbers, review them as you're growing. And before you start doing this, really know your metrics. Most people think they're profitable and they're not. Um, well, they're not as profitable as they think. Right? So you really need to know what your margins are, where your, your money is going and how you're planning your business just for Amazon before you do anything else. So do that first, really understand your business more than you do right now. And then when you're taking these off Amazon angles, do little bets. Don't throw down $100,000 in a year. Start with little amounts and get that return and figure it out and don't treat it like Amazon especially Facebook. Facebook ads, um, I believe through COVID, it's actually got a lot less competition. But previously, so many of our clients were just seeing compounded increase in cost of acquisition through Amazon, uh, through Facebook, sorry, also <laughs> through Amazon PPC. But um, through Facebook specifically, there's a lot of competition there because a lot of people are fishing, right? They've, they've made it a super easy market. Anyone can put, put money on there and, and do it. So yeah, make sure you're testing it, but get as close to the customer as you can and try some of these other partnership ideas. If you're kind of timid about the acquisition side and that's fine, maybe you've never bought something before, uh, read anything, and I mean anything, by Jay Abraham. He, he has all these strategies on partnering, specifically strategic partnerships and alliances that you can use because you have real products, right? A lot of people don't have real products, they would love to sell real products to their audience. And the last thing I want to leave you with, and obviously any other questions, feel free. The last thing I want to leave you with is what I see as the biggest missed opportunity right now is brands that are born out of Amazon could quite easily become $50, $100 million, billion-dollar brands if you just focus on who the customer is and building your, building your business around that customer, your brand around that customer, there is real opportunity here. And some of the buyers in the space that are active are acquiring to try and do this with what you've built. So you might think, oh, half a million dollars, that's great. I'm going to go do this other thing. Sure, and maybe that's fine. Maybe you want to do that. But what if in two, three years' time, you turn around and your brand is massive? Um, the guy who created Victoria's Secret, I don't know if you know this story, he sold his business for $3 million, I believe. So $3 million, which sounds like that's a great exit. He'd, he'd been building Victoria's Secret for five years, sold it for $3 million. 
Um, when I wrote about this earlier this year, the company that acquired them, and this is over 25 years or something, the, the holding company that owns them is valued at $3 billion, right? And th there's more to that story. He was actually targeting um, men when he shouldn't have been and things like this. He needed to improve the brand, but it's a very big brand right now. Unfortunately, the, the founder, um, I don't know if I should say this on record. He jumped <laughs> off a bridge, basically, um, because it was it was super depressing for him. And his story is just tragic. Um, yeah. But he, he sold out possibly too early, or maybe he was in the way, I'm not sure. But just I want people to understand that what you're building isn't an FBA business. If you don't look at it as an FBA business, that's how that's the sales channel that you started with. That's not mm -hmm. your business. If you want to keep it as an FBA business and sell it as an FBA business, it'll be valued like an FBA business. But there's a real opportunity here to actually make it a real business. Like you said, Isaac, there's a whole world out there. Yeah. People are buying your products. You know, they, they want to buy your products. Just yeah, use yeah. the cash flow to, to investigate if, if you want to do that. And you don't have to, but just know that that's a possibility. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, we don't want to keep you here forever because we could talk to you all day about this stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think the, the value that you've given already and just the insights about how to think about your business as a real business, that's kind of why we call ourselves real, real coaching, real business, real people, real freedom, right? So you want to treat this like a real business. You have other options out there. Um, you know, the ability to sell the business is always there depending on what stage and what, you know, what phase that you're going to want to go into and what your goals are. Um, you know, and so it's great that you've you shared that with us and, and with the, the people that are going to listen to this as well. You know, obviously, if they want to get more information about anything to do with selling or buying an Amazon business or, you know, even other types of businesses, uh, tell us how they can reach you and, and contact the FBA broker. Yeah, sure. So the easiest way is probably our website, thefbabroker.com. And we also have a Facebook group. I'll share the link with you guys. It's called Double Your Exit e-commerce community. So it's all about how to maximize the value of your exit before you sell. I have a personal pet peeve with under selling something before it's really at its peak. Um, it, it irritates me because I know what it takes to get something from zero to one. Um, and you just need to push that a little bit more to get a, a much better outcome, at least double um, the outcome. So if you're interested in that, we'll, I'll share that link with you guys and sure. you can share that around. But um, yeah, the FBABroker.com is probably the best place to start. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you very much for being here, Corin. Uh, obviously, all these great insights and strategies people can actually start implementing in their business and start thinking about, you know, even if they can't do it right now or don't have the bandwidth to do it right now, it's the process that they can start to build towards. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a fantastic journey for a lot of these people to have their minds kind of opened up to this new type of opportunity. And guys, if you like what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with friends who might also get value out of it as well. Also, to get some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful Amazon business to fill your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And guys, we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.